you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. It's Friday. That means it's a mailbag edition of the show. Let's do some quick housekeeping at the front. Um, Want to talk about the uh, great writer over at IBI, Justin Lada. He had a fun piece you should definitely check out if uh, you're a subscriber to my site or to Indians Baseball Insider through 24-7 Sports. Um, a lot of great information from talking to James Harris. If you're reading between the lines, uh, you know it, we already knew they are going to add Daniel Johnson interest in McKenzie, but it sounds like the Indians might be strongly considering adding uh, Kai A. Tom when you look at some of the things said there. Gives you some information on uh, McKenzie and uh, you know talks about Fermin and a lot of guys like that I've talked about this year. Um, tons of great information. Justin's a great dude. I've gotten to know him over the years uh, covering the tribe. He also had some great information about uh, if you're paying attention. Nolan Jones uh, left the Arizona Fall League early, and it was a thumb injury. He's gonna require thumb surgery, but uh, he'll be fine by spring training. So. Everyone can take a deep breath and calm down. So I don't have as many questions, but uh, it's me. So, of course, I'm going to dive in this rather meatily and uh, talk uh, probably longer than I should on the questions that uh, are here. Uh, Let's start with the one from at Pocketmonger. Would the tribe consider a Lux for Lindor deal? I think they'd have to consider it. I... It's one of those deals I feel like no one would be happy with, which probably makes it a good deal. Um, If you're a Dodgers fan, you're like, Lux is a future star. Uh, If you're an Indians fan, you're like, Lux isn't proven anything. He could be another Andy Marte. Um, You know, both are valid points to degrees. Uh, I did have a Dodgers fan try to convince me that Lindor wasn't that good of a player, which was... Rather he Mr. C. I could understand the point of view if you're like, I don't want to trade six six for uh, years for two years. But at the same time, trading six years of an unproven for two years of the top shortstop in baseball since 2017, Lindor has the highest, second highest defensive run value in fan graphs behind Andrelton Simmons. And he has the highest uh, runs created plus over that time. And he's just hitting his prime, hitting, he's just hitting his prime now. So, yeah, he's he's the best shortstop in baseball. He is a top 10 player. I don't care what anybody says. He is. Just, we're going to move on from that. But I think at the crux event, what I talked about, you know, uh, on the show, when I talked about training Lindor, is any deal like that would probably be Lux plus somebody like Chris Taylor, who has turned himself into a, uh, a solid everyday player. So the Indians, while they take a hit, a big hit going from Lindor to Lux. You also then get Taylor, who can immediately be plugged into one of those holes in your infield. So maybe at the end of the day, you know, one position gets worse, but another position, you know, it, how much better does third base get compared to internal options uh, versus how much the drop between Lindor and Lux is? That's kind of what you consider. Uh... At Jay Critz 2, International Social Housing, he asked, if you look across the MLB, what teams that are not contenders have outfielders the Tribe might consider trading for? Well, let's just go through 
on a very basic level and talk about what teams legitimately go into next season thinking they're not um, contenders. In the NL East, it's just the Miami Marlins. Every other team is going to be competing in that conference. The Central Division. Every team is going to be trying to compete. And I know there's a lot of talk with the Pirates and Starling, Starling Marte. And I understand why there's talk. He's signed long-term. He's a great trade asset. He had a, a good year this year. But why would the Pirates realistically want to move on from him? Uh, you look at this team catching is a, a serious issue. Josh Bell had a heck of a breakout season. He's one of the breakout performers in all of baseball. Adam Frazier was solid at second base and is nominated for a gold glove. Kevin Newman had a heck of a year at shortstop. Always been a solid defender there. Hit for the average that a lot of people thought he could hit for when he was first uh, drafted. Colin Moran was an average third baseman. You'll take it. Brian Reynolds nearly competed for the batting title as a rookie. Starling Marte was excellent in center. And then right field, the guy who got the most at-bats was Melky Cabrera, who wasn't, you know, he was Melky Cabrera. Uh, we assume Polanco will come back and get a chance for them, but he was really ugly last year um, in the time he got uh, to play. It's one of those things, like, Marte and Polanco never really quite turned into the players that we'd hoped they'd be, and, uh, you know... Uh, Polanco's probably still better than Milky, but for his entire career, he's been a league average performer. Um, he is all of 28 years of age, and when you look at the overall prospect pool for a team like the Pirates, it's, yeah, it, Cabron Hayes is, is betting on the door, so maybe, maybe with Hayes taking over at third base, you can move Moran to something like left and see what happens from there. I guess that's what you're looking at, kind of, uh, in terms of stuff. A lot of their other top guys aren't, uh, aren't quite ready to slot in and play uh, in terms of the top hitters. So I think the talk of trading Starling Marte is, is, is talk. I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I'm, uh, I'm officially putting my doubting glasses on with that one. I, I don't believe Marte will be on the move. Because they're under a lot of pressure. I think uh, Neil Huntington's going to be under pressure to win. I, I think that's just where they are and after they've committed in some of their other trades. In the West, everyone's competing. There's not So in the entire National League, the one team that I think isn't going to come out and try is the Miami Marlins. That's it. So that, that kind of limits that field. The postseason is brought to you by Vivid Seats, and they've been one of our great sponsors. They took the idea of buying your tickets and added a fun new wrinkle with a loyalty rewards program. The more you buy, the higher you get to go, the better the deals you'll get. And if you're going to buy a ticket to anything now, you want to be using Vivid Seats because we have this promo code for you. So you're going to go download the app, Vivid Seats, and use the promo code POSTSEASON. That shows them that the MLB side of things on Locked On sent you there. You're going to buy your tickets anyways. This code will save you up to 100 bucks, so you might as well go use Vivid Seats, save yourself some money, and start building up those reward points, because once you start building up those reward points, you're going to want to keep going back to Vivid Seats. So remember, download the app, use the promo code, postseason, do it for yourself, save yourself a few bucks. Our other sponsor is one of our oldest and dearest, that is BlueChew.com, the little blue pill, 
which has all the active ingredients as the big names, but since it's chewable, it allows you to do what you want to do quicker. There have been all these scandals this year about uh, uh, the use of uh, helping pills uh, for Major League players when from gas stations and such. Don't do that. That led to suspensions. Instead, go over to Blue Chew. Use the promo code MLB. Again, it shows you, them that uh, you're listening to our great MLB podcast network. And they're going to send you a free sample. They're, they believe so much in their product, they're giving it away for free. You have to pay the 5 bucks for shipping. Small cost to pay to see what all the hype's about. See why they believe in a product so much that they're willing to give it away for free, knowing you'll come back for more. That is BlueChew.com using that promo code MLB. Try it out. See what all the hype's about. See why this is a product that they believe so much that they think the first time you try it, you're going to keep going back and using it again and again. So what about the American League? Well, uh, let's start with the truly terrible teams. Baltimore Orioles. uh, I mean, how much would it cost to get a Trey Mancini? He's not going to be cheap. And he's kind of similar to Franmil Reyes. Um, (laughs) Putting both those guys in the outfield would would turn you into a pretty terrible defensive team. Uh, it, when I was looking up this, I couldn't help but look at Anthony Santander and get a little a little pissed off. Uh, just turned 25 in October, so in his age 24 year, in 93 games, 400 plate appearances, he had 20 doubles and 20 home runs. The on-base percentage was not good, um, so he only had a 101 OPS+, plus, which is more of league average. But he was 24. And he's well on his way to 30 home runs. I had him back in uh, 2016 rated as the number two bat in the Indian system. I was extremely high on him. I was moaning and complaining when they left him off the 40-man. And people told me I was insane. And he got picked up. And then he was hurt and didn't really get to pay in 2017. And then people talked about, oh, 2018 was not good. But it was enough that he could stay. And the Orioles juggled it. And now they've got an interesting bat who's... 25 years of age um, and I'm, I'm happy for him I'm glad he got the opportunity uh, but you look at, he's going to be in that outfield uh, Dwight Smith Jr. kind of fell apart but he's got to get a look Cedric Mullins uh, Austin Hayes they've got, they've got some guys so it'll be interesting to see how they juggle them um, Chris Davis is just such a disaster like in an ideal world Mancini's a first baseman and you move some of the other bits around. We'll see how they handle it. But, uh, yeah, uh, Santander, ouch. Uh, the Tigers, it's ugly. Kansas City, it's maybe even uglier in terms of the outfield. I mean, Chicago's going to be trying. Uh, Toronto is another team. There's not much there. Like, Randall Gurchek is the only guy who's in his late 20s. Uh, they've kind of already traded all the pieces that aren't nailed down. You go out west, it's it's Seattle. And the it, like they're not going to trade Mitch Hanger after a down year. Malik Smith had a down year. You're not moving him. Uh, that leaves uh, Domingo Santana, who, again, is like Fran Reyes light. Uh, you, you can't have two guys like that in your lineup it just won't work and Santana's also very inconsistent year to year I just don't see that so uh, <laughs> we're kind of stuck in this situation where there isn't a lot of obvious choices the Indians have uh, had a history of trading with the Reds so I kind of went and looked them up they're going to be an interesting team just because 
Now, Jess Winkler had a strong year. Nick Senzel didn't, but I think everyone expects him to, to kind of bounce out of that. Phil Irvin was a solid fourth outfielder, and of course, uh, Arrestes Aquino uh, set way too high of a bar. He's never going to be able to meet that again. Derek Dietrich, for all the excitement, ended up being a league average bat, but he was a free league average bat the Indians could have used because when he was at his hottest was when the Indians were at their stinkiest, and offensively, they should be pretty set to go. Pitching staff is going to be pretty solid, so I don't think there's really a match with that Reds team. Um, I know I've had people out there talk about Michael Lorenzen, and he is such an interesting player, but I, I got a similar guy, so give me a chance. We'll get to that in a bit. So there were kind of like three teams that are playoff teams that I thought had some semblance of something, or three teams that are going to compete for the playoffs I thought could have some semblance of making sense for a situation of requiring an outfielder. Obviously, this spoils some of the talk when I do these teams individually, but there's enough with each team to uh, to do a little talk now and still have some for later. Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, they were not afraid to trade away bets on their team. Uh, they've moved away from most of their uh, previous core. One guy who's left is David Peralta. He has been in the majors for six years, and five out of six years, he has an OPS plus over 100. He is typically a very good hitter. The other problem, though, is over six years, he's averaged uh, 111 games a season. A lot of injury issues. Highest he's ever appeared in is 149 games. He's one of those guys who didn't debut till his age 26 year, so he's already 32 years of age. He's an older outfielder, uh, ended the season on the 60-day disabled list. He made $7 million this year, so he's going to be making... Uh, you know, over $10 million in arbitration, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. I don't know what his value is. Like, he's a good hitter when he's healthy, but the track record of health has been so poor, and it was even more so this year. But he, when he's healthy, he's productive. It's, it's that give and take. So just looking at Peralta, I mean, he would definitely be an improvement. He does a bit of everything. I wouldn't be opposed to the ad. It's always going to be the cost of the ad. Uh, last year, I think I mentioned it was 99 games. He was with two, worth two war, so he's worth an average starter over 100 games, which means, obviously, if he could actually stay healthy, he'd be worth significantly more than that. Uh, it, this is a case where... I have no idea what the cost is, but you at least inquire and see. Um, he would make the Indians better. He is a solid rental, so price shouldn't be astronomical. And he's one of those guys, if nothing else, you come back and revisit in um, July. Because if he's having a pretty good but not great year, kind of like Nick Castellanos was, you remember the Tigers essentially got nothing for him. They got the, some former high prospects who don't really have a great shot at the majors and that's it's kind of where Peralta is he's kind of in that Castellanos range of value so keep your eyes peeled maybe not the most sense now Chicago Cubs could desperately use a starter as a matter of fact they could use a lot of pitching in general if you just look at their free agents to be Cole Hamels is a free agent uh Steve Chizik from their pen Pedro Strope from their pen Brandon Kinsler from their pen uh Brian Dunsing, who pitched for them this year. And then we can look at Alex Wilson, who uh, they traded for for a few years ago. And we can just look at the... I mean, the way you Darvish pitched in the second half, 
he could easily opt out. Um, and they also hold options on Jose Quintana, who they'll likely pick up a 10.5, even though he had a down year. But there's a world where they lose three-fifths of their rotation and three of the four most important pieces in their pen. Uh, their pitching depth in the minors is just not there, especially in the upper minors. Their minors are just not very good. Maybe there's a a world where you can get someone like Ian Happ, who was really good when given opportunity in the majors this year, but has been horribly blocked by... Uh, by other players uh, for the Cubs. Uh, they, they've got some depth on that bench. Um, I'll be curious to see if they move a catcher for some pitching. That's always a, a possibility when you got Carantini and Contreras. Uh, Daniel, I don't know why I was going to talk about Daniel Delesco. There's nothing to really talk about there. But, you know, Zobrist will be gone. Uh, Tony Kemp didn't perform. Uh, Nico Horner looked good, looked better in the majors than he had in the minors. This is another team that was so desperate for offensive help that they gave Carlos Go- uh, Gonzalez a try. Didn't work there either. There's also the part of me that thinks, like, could you get Chris Bryant and Ian Happ for Mike Clevenger? We'll, we'll talk about stuff like that, crazy off-the-wall ideas at a later date. But, uh there's a world where the Cubs just because they they're going to need arms and they don't have anything uh could be a team to look at and then the last one I want to talk about here before the end of the show is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim yes my cat wants to talk about them as well but Los Angeles has a lot of hitting depth you know they you look at their outfield you got Goodwin, Trout, Cole Calhoun, uh, Justin Upton. You look on the infield. Uh, so catching catcher is an issue. They're kind of stuck with pull host, but he was close to a league average. Uh, Ren Giffo was not bad, more of a backup. But you got Simmons and Fletcher, both Gold Glove candidates. Uh, Zach Cosart's coming back. Tommy Lastella played really well uh, before his injury. They have a lot of guys who can kind of step up offensively, but the pitching staff was basically a, a bunch of fives or, or minor league quad A type of talent. Um, Tyler Skaggs, it's a terrible situation. He was their one hitter with a, a one hitter, one pitcher who really stood uh, out amongst the rest. Uh, Griffin Canning hopefully takes a step forward for them, and he was kind of the next best guy. They didn't have a starter. Um, they had one starter throw over 100 innings this year, and that was Trevor Cahill. That's how much they just kind of were trying to find someone, giving guys opportunities, and no one was performing. So think about that. One starter with over 100 innings. So an idea here would be uh, Cole Calhoun, there's a chance they don't pick up his player option. It would save them $13 million, which is especially important if you want to go out and chase someone like Garrett Cole. Now, if they wanted to recoup some value. I mean, Calhoun, also a gold glove nominee. That was kind of surprising. A 108 OPS. Uh, an above average hitter. Had a, a, a really good year this year. You know, he was an above average regular. And he, like I said, he's scheduled to make about $14 million. So maybe it's a situation where um, Anaheim covers $1 million of that because they were going to cover $1 million anyways. And maybe the Indians look to flip Adam Pletko there, who's a guy who 
looks like he'll start next year in AAA. I just don't see a way he can start in the majors. He was a solid pitcher for the Indians this year. And if you look at like his, he would have had the, I believe the third best, third best ERA plus of any Angel starter a year ago, and the fourth best FIP. He is under. He's 28 years old. He's under contract through like age 32, seeing so five years of control of a guy who would have been easily one of the top four pitchers on uh, the Angels staff a year ago. Solid steady guy. You can always use more pitching. And Pluck goes 109 innings, would have led the Nationals in innings a year ago. So he uh, a little more proven, frankly, in terms of production than anyone that Anaheim threw out there. But we're in this weird situation where if Anaheim only picks up a million dollars of Cole Calhoun, one year of Cole Calhoun isn't worth four of Adam Pletko. You know, I, I never thought I'd say, make that statement. So the, you're probably looking to either get them to pick up more, which is not ideal for a team that wants to go out and try to get the big name in free agency, or to add a prospect. So if we're looking at you know a small prospect, maybe we can get someone like Joe Adele, Brandon, I'm kidding, those are the the main guys, but I'd like to throw out one name in particular that stood out for me as a guy who would be a really interesting get, a guy who can do a lot of things, let's put it that way, and that's Jared Walsh. Now, if you're not super familiar with Jared Walsh, that's fine, but he was both a hitter and a pitcher this year for Anaheim. Uh, Just five innings as a pitcher, but those five innings were excellent. He was a pitcher going back to his time at Georgia, where he played for, you know, he's a, a, a senior sign, a guy who, for his three, first three years, just m- miserable uh, as a hitter, mostly part-time play. Uh, final year has a really strong year at the plate, but let's put it this way, in his entire career, he had seven home runs in Georgia. Uh, mostly stood out as a pitcher, he had eight starts that final year. And uh, the numbers were okay, um, ERA-wise, everything else not so much. But he did have a low hit rate and a low home run rate. Guys could not hit him harder, pick things up. This year at age 25, um, the PCL is always a place where hitters uh, succeed. But, you know, if you like Bobby Bradley's numbers, uh, here's Jared Walsh's. In 98 games, he had 36 home runs and had a 13% walk rate, which is phenomenal. Um 36 home runs in 98 games, uh, and uh, a near two to one, uh, two strikeouts for one walk. Uh, the high walk rate, lots of power. He's low 90s off the mound. He's 26, a little bit older. But the idea, if you get him and as a secondary piece in that deal, you know the Indians drafted a two-way guy this year. He's a really interesting player. He's mostly fastball at this point, but you could work on developing it. You can work on seeing if there's a bit more. I mean, he's going to be a reliever for you, obviously. Uh, but he's played some right field. He's played some left field. He's played first base. So he can be a backup at a lot of positions. Um, left-handed bat. You can always figure a platoon for him, maybe. But that's all bonus. The, the whole thing here is you're getting a guy who's got power